Hello, stranger. My name is Rose Gothel. I am the writer, director, and kind of producer of this podcast, and I want to welcome all of you to The Greenlands Presents. This podcast is going to be a series of dramatic readings of fantasy scripts, screenplays, a la old radio drama style, you know, like they used to do in the 1950s on the BBC. You turn them on and be like, oh, here's a story. <laughs> we hope to do this weekly, unless something terrible happens, like, you know, Mordor invades... I mean, this is 2020, we've had a pandemic so far and very weird things are happening. The plays that we will be playing on this podcast are going to be high fantasy swords and sorcery screenplays and scripts from me and other authors. We're looking for new authors and scripts all the time, so contact us on the-greenlands.com, by hyphen I mean the little bar, not the word hyphen, or via our social media at The Greenlands, or variations of, on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. The Greenlands represents a high fantasy world in general, the traditional, you know, Middle-earth, saga, D&D, medieval, dragon-filled fantasy world. For me, and for this script, it is a real place, but the Greenlands also represents all fantasy places. This week's story is The Sisters of the Middle Sun. I am a filmmaker, and the script is the first in a series of four feature films that I am hoping to be filming soon, once this disaster is over. The stories follow a group of sun-worshipping priestesses who have to handle demons and monsters that for once are not an external metaphorical representation of internal struggles. <laughs> yes, I had to get a thesaurus for that. I would like to thank our amazing actors and actresses who brought these characters to life. In no particular order, Sam Parry, Bridget Hemingway, Helen Vary, Linda Dutson, Kate Newell, David McCran, Frances Broody Albridge, and Faye Massey. And of course, not to forget, our narrator, Anne Goldthorpe. Yes, she is related to me, no, don't ask. If you want more information about the Greenlands, or want to submit a script, or want to be a voice act, or even just drown us in gold, um, tweet at us, Instagram at us, you know, slide into our DMs. Or uh, go to our website, thehyphengreenlands.com. So let's grab our axes, bows, pointy ears, teenage angst, unresolved daddy issues, and see you in the Greenlands. The convent, kitchen, afternoon. Novice Patience is seated at the big table and is industriously chopping her way minutely and carefully through a mound of grass, putting it into a large old pan. Sister Agatha is stirring another big old pan on the stove. I sense something terrible is about to invade the peaceful plain of this venerated place of worship. It can't possibly be the brothers of Mormonia. They came only yesterday. No, child, do not be foolish. This premonition of doom is on a considerably larger scale than that caused by the general degeneracy of a lesser monotheistic cults. Blodwin storms into the kitchen. She starts opening and closing cupboards, looking for utensils and food. She takes a few items out, including potatoes, and puts them on the table. She drops the bowl on the floor and it almost breaks. She stops, stoops down and has to take a steadying breath. Sister, are you all right? See? Doom has come to us, as was said. If repentant man is flummoxed, it will be the end of... Blodwin picks up a knife and points it at Agatha. Oh, do shut up, Agatha. Oh, we are 150 years in back rent to the Sisters of the Moon because we are apparently starting to turn a little profit now, so they say we don't count at a religious organisation either. Profit? But the profit is barely enough to feed us. How can they say that? 
In olden days, the priestesses lived off the gifts of food and goods given by worshippers. No golden fake sun coinage sullied the hands of all maidens. Aye, but now they've got to be sullied, because no worshipper has given us a gift above the odd dead chicken in ten years. I am sure something will come to save us. The holy text says that faith is rewarded. Yeah, but that's because they don't record when it's not rewarded, girl. The chopping and stirring continue in simmering silence. The convent, Abbess's study, morning. There is a knock on the door, and novice patience enters and bows. Mother, you've me fear. It is the warden. Sister Bluster to see Sister Bluster marches past her and stands to attention in the study. Patience leaves and closes the door. They do their respective religious salutes. Greetings, Mother. My moon illuminate your path. You know why I'm here. Um, Sister Bluster, may the sun warm your soul? Perhaps you would be so good as to show me the proofs of our convent being on your land. My records say that it was gifted to us. Bluster arrogantly and nonchalantly gets out a map from her scrip and tosses it onto the table. Not officially it wasn't. Private understandings between the past abbesses and prioresses do not count as official. Here, see for yourself. The blue line delineates our land and your convent lies within it. Mother Euphemia leans over the map and looks. But, but, this is new ink. And your lands only ever came up to the other side of the Grange anyway, whereas this is all different now. Bluster stands up and looms over the desk. <laughs> Are you implying that you intend not to pay our rents, tithes, tenures and back rents, sister? And instead accuse us of lying? Euphemia sits down meekly, intimidated, and attempts to reason. Well, we... we don't believe that we owe these rents, and so, so, we intend to appeal to the primate. Are you accusing our long-standing great and venerable prioress of breaking her vows and being a liar? No, no, of course not. I'd never accuse her of something so unholy. Um, we will... we will... Try to pay, meanwhile, until this little mistake is uh, sorted out. Bluster slides the map off the table, folds it and turns to leave. There is no mistake here, madam. You owe us this money. Sister Bluster straightens up and gives Euphemia the Moon Sister's salute. Arm gesture and then a bow. The moon save you, sister. And the sun shine in your face. Euphemia gives the Sisters of the Middle Sun salute. Sister Bluster storms out and Euphemia sinks down onto her chair weakly. The convent, arboreal sanctuary, afternoon. The four sisters are standing at the front waiting for the abbess to come in. Where's that message, Leticia? Uh, she's just re-robing her ass through a shoe. The remaining sisters stare disconcertedly at her. Yes, the poor thing hadn't been shod properly. He tripped, lost his shoe, panicked and bolted with her into the mill pond. All three sisters suddenly understanding mouth, oh, and nod and turn back. Well, I suppose the sun provides light in our darkest of days. Um, 
What did Prioress Papool say about our appealing to the primate? Uh, she sent us an alternative. Uh, we can either pay the rents, tithes, tenures and back rents, or buy the land back from her at full price. How much, then? A thousand golden florins. Bloody! The abbess enters and processes serenely onto the altar. The priestesses all arise and start to chant while still looking dismayed. The convent gardens afternoon. Blodwin is digging a bed and Patience is kneeling down weeding. Agatha has some dark, scraggy-looking plants laid out on the ground and she's muttering and arranging them. Now, make sure them cauliflowers is weeded well. I'm doubling me piccalilli output this year. If the worst comes to the worst and no one wants to buy it, we can live on the stuff instead. Oh, Sister Bloodwin, one of the women in the village asked me to tell you that your special piccalilli works charms on her husband. Sister Bloodwin guffaws, but Patience looks confused. Yes, well, I've got my notice up for more village girls to come and try to be priestesses. I nailed it up on the maypole. Yeah, only trouble with that is that most of them can't read, Letitia. Well, we can teach them when they get here. Aye, but they've got to get here first. Well, perhaps novice patients could go down and have a word with them. She's from the same generation. They've grown up together, so they just get on well. Blodwin looks at patients. Last time we had a recruitment drive with patients, admittedly we did have record applications. Even if it's remembered correctly, none of applicants were in fact of the female persuasion. I'm sorry, sisters. I did try. None of the girls were applying and when some very nice gentleman asked if, if I would explain and then said they wouldn't help, I thought they were going to help recruit. It's all right, novice patients. No one's blaming you. Aye. At least it were an entertaining afternoon. All them young men in dresses. The convent. Kitchen. Day. Euphemia is grinding something in a mortar, sitting up to the table. Patience is standing at the stove, stirring and tasting the soup. Agatha is chopping herbs at the table. Lodwin comes in, carrying a fringed cloth. She sits down next to Agatha and starts to embroider it. Euphemia turns around to Patience. Novice Patience, do please pass me some more of the oil for my ink. Patience passes her a jug. My treatise seems to get through a great deal of it. What is your treatise about, Mother? The need for chastity in the community. Oh, I know her. She is really nice. Although I didn't think she would be so important as to write a whole treaty about. Um, a treatise. Novice Patience. The sisters all look very carefully at Patience to see if there's any hint that this was a joke. Well, um, it's... Uh, she is quite, um, vital for our community. The older women look embarrassed, but Blodwin sniggers. There is silence for a while until Blodwin holds up her embroidery and looks at it. Now, Aggie, just keep still, because I've got an idea. She stands up and drapes the shiny piece of cloth with magical symbols around her head in typical gypsy fashion. Aggie looks peculiarly foreboding and somewhat majestic. In view of the fact that we have now not only got to keep ourselves and those less able to do so alive, but now we've also to pay the moon cows for us living on our own land. I've come up with an idea. Oh, a fashion show, perhaps. 
lot of them scrutinises, Agatha. Well, uh, fashion isn't exactly the word I think of when I think of Aggie. No. Aggie, um, we're going to put your soothsaying habits to work for the sanctuary. Euphemia looks up from her grinding. Are you saying that the villagers will want to pay for Aggie's soothsaying? Well, why not, Mother? Euphemia rolls her eyes. Aggie nods her head delightedly, and the cloth fringe falls over her eyes. The convent hallway, daytime. There are two chairs against the wall outside a door in a narrow corridor of doors, the priestess's cells. Blodwin is dusting the pictures nearby, and two peasants are sitting on the chairs, a middle-aged woman and her aged mother. The daughter is whispering fiercely and persuasively to her old mother, who looks stubbornly determined. The door opens and a man emerges looking worried, with Agatha following him and talking to his back. The blight of such a misfortune may, however, be a little mitigated by living on carrots, only for a year. The man looks even more horrified and hurries worriedly away. Agatha cranes around at the clients. Next! The old woman rapidly gets up and hurries to Agatha's cell, whilst her daughter attempts to pull her back and dissuade her. The old woman shakes her off and goes in with Agatha. The daughter turns to Blodwin. I wish she wouldn't. It's not good for her. They're all coming out saying as how they're going to get pox or the geese are going to get bots. Well, they did, did they? But that's not the point. Sister Agatha only ever seems to tell her bad things. And then they happen. Well, that's the point of soothsaying, isn't it? Oh, no, not if you don't know how to stop the bots anyway. Hmm, I see. The convent, Abessi's study, morning. Euphemia is seated at her desk with Letice next to her, counting small piles of coins. Blodwin is rummaging around among some mantelpiece ornaments trying to find something. Patience is standing by the window, looking out around the curtain. She's here, the sub-prioress, on a donkey. Euphemia hurriedly sweeps all of the coins into a small cloth bag. Sisters, sisters, is this it? Is there no more? We're a bit short, you know. Blodwin finds and hands over another couple of coins. Here you are, Mother. I found the parsnip money Gaffer Bates gave us. Euphemia smiles gratefully and sweeps it into her bag. You'd better leave us alone, sisters. The sun's rays alone must witness my struggle. No, we are all united in struggle. I can't let a sister stand alone. I really think that we should... um... No! I'll be as right as rain in this corner. Blodwin sits down heavily on a corner stand chair. The others go out. There is a knock and Patience comes in again. It's Sister Sanctimony, the sub-prioress, Mother. She goes out and Sanctimony and Mavis sail in. Euphemia stands up and bows to Sanctimony, who nods superiorly to her. Euphemia indicates a couple of chairs and they sit. The moon shine on you and bless you, sister. Mother! The two priestesses of the moon shoot to their feet, look around and see Blodwin there in the corner. You'll keep a civil tongue in your head, you prating Puritan, or something might happen to it. I would demand the same from you, my good woman. Are you threatening me? Sanctimony looks disgusted, turns her back and sits down again, as does Mavis. Are you going to buy our land upon which you have put your convent to, uh, Mother Euphemia? 
I'm afraid that we do not have such a, a large sum, Sister Sanctimony, nor are we ever likely to come by it. Sister Sanctimony stands up again, as does Mavis. But that is a pity, as we will just have to start the process of change of use, and this process will be enforced by our loyal guards of security who know, know how to deal with parasites like you. We've got your pieces of silver, you whining hypocrite. Uh, we've got your rent instead. But when the primate is what you've been up to, I've got a list of all you will then owe us, plus the interest. Our convent charges 18%, you know. Sister Blodwin, I will have to ask you to be quiet and respectful in the presence of our honoured guests. Euphemia meekly hands the bag to Sister Sanctimony, who hands it to Sister Mavis, and then Sanctimony signals to Mavis to write the receipt. The receipt? Mavis? Mavis jumps, looks embarrassed, takes her writing materials out of her bag and hurriedly writes a receipt and then apologetically hands Euphemia the slip of parchment. Your receipt, sisters. We'll be back next month. She starts to say aloud, and Mavis half smiles, ashamedly, a mouth, sorry, and follows her. If you bait them, Blodwin, they might put our rent up even further. My rage isn't abated. She winks at Euphemia, who sighs despondently. The convent, gardens, morning... A peasant mother, holding her small boy's hand, comes out of the hut at the far side of the gardens. She walks past Blodwin, who is idling over her digging fork, which is standing upright in a bed. The boy has extraordinarily large nose. Hello. You're new. Come far, have you? Good morning, sister. Yes, we have travelled from three villages away, all the way over from Swold, to see your great infirmarius. Aye, Sister Aggie's a great healer. Her tinctures are the best. Tis a pity that we locals cannot pay you out, but I'm sure we all hold you in great esteem for your good works. Well, it's all to good of the sun. Blodwin nods her head in the boy's direction. And it is a big un. No, it's quite small, really. But Gerardin says it's rather painful. Aye, poor lad. I suppose he keeps getting it caught when he's eating his porridge. Gets what caught? And of course it'll be a bit of a liability when it comes to courting then as well. What on earth are you talking about? Footwarts getting in the way when you're eating or kissing? Blodwin suddenly realises her mistake, smiles sicklily and musses the boy's hair. She bends down, picks up a carrot, wipes it on her apron and gives it to the boy. Ah, no. <laughs> um, of course, of course. Uh, here, lad, you can have this. The mother draws her son nearer, somewhat defensively, and starts to move away. Here. I hope you're not being personal about his ears, are you then? His ears are fine. Oh, bless me, no. The lad's a, a wonder. A wonder. Uh, lovely ears. Um, uh, uh, the gate is just along there, good woman. The woman moves off, dragging carrot-eating boy and looking suspiciously back intermittently. Uh, uh, goodbye, then. She turns away with relief and then a rictus of embarrassment. The convent. Sanctuary. Morning. Blodwin and Letitia are standing just outside the sanctuary while the congregation are walking out. 
Euphemia comes to join them in saying good morning to the parishioners. There seems to be one or two new ones. Oh, hello. Uh, but I really fear that not enough people are benefiting from the rays of our sun god and that their spirits are straying. Oh, goodbye. Uh, yes, indeed. But I rather feel as if some of the hussies are avoiding me and don't want to get drawn into any novice drive. Well, a few more of the peasantry, all right. <laughs> Never mind some of the yeomanry as well would mean that we could have an occasional sausage <laughs> with our potato. Uh, morning then. <laughs> Sisters, these good people need us here to nurture their spirits and their bodies. Oh, bless you, my child. If we have to starve whilst we're doing it, then this is to the greater good of His Majesty the Sun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sisters in the Middle Sun from the Greenlands Presents. I hope you enjoyed it. If you drop us a like, a subscribe, or review on iTunes, or, you know, whatever you're listening to us on, I don't know what you use, or recommend us to a friend who needs a laugh, please do. We're just starting out and every little thing helps. If you want to get involved in the creative side of things as a scriptwriter, actor, etc., please contact us. I'd love to hear from you. And if you want to donate huge amounts of gold, just, you know, just slide into my DMs and I'll be open to hear from you. <laughs> I'd like to thank our editor, John Curtiland, and our musician, David Berlin, for making the ambiance and, you know, editing this whole disaster. We will have another episode out next week, so see you then. Thank you. Look after yourself. I love you. Yes, you. Only you. Ignore the other one's baby. They didn't mean anything to me. You're the only one. Oh, wait, sorry, I was reading my text messages. <laughs> Bye.